You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. Hello, I'm Mirella Amato. Welcome to Hot Plate, a post-foodie podcast. This season, we examine the impact COVID has had on every aspect of our food system, all the way from farm to table. We'll look at how things have changed and try to untangle what's going on behind the scenes so that we can strengthen our connection to our food. In this episode, palpitating mangoes and building food resilience. We're talking grocery stores and markets. Hi, Mirella. How are you? I'm well. And yourself? Also pretty well. Mostly making it happen. Chugging along? That's it. So tell me, what was the last thing you ate? Oh, the last thing I ate? Oh, my lunch was delicious. I had the leftover fish tacos that I made for dinner last night. I had everything mm. but the tortillas left over. So it was okay. just bits of fried fish that I reheated and then piled all the like fresh salsas and slaw and stuff on top of. Uh, it was it was really good, actually. That was a great mouthful. And you so you fried it up? Yeah, I, I made battered and fried the fish. Uh, and then I had leftover bits that I just brought back to life in the oven so that they crisped up again because the microwave is a terrible place to put that. Uh, and then just oh. I had a tomato salsa, a mango salsa, a little Napa cabbage slaw and some hot and some little fiery jalapenos. It was uh, it was That's really what I good. Call cooking for yourself. It wow. was really good. Yeah, you went full out. I did. It was delicious. Uh, yeah. It, sometimes you got to take care of yourself. True. What, uh, true. what did you have? What was the last thing you ate? Well, uh, in contrast to your uh, your feast, I had something that, that might sound a little a little retro, two words you yeah. might not have heard together in a while. <laughs> Tell me. I had a meatball sandwich. Oh, those are two words I haven't heard together in a while. Did you make it or did you buy it? Is that a thing that people still eat? I feel like there was a, a wasn't there like a time for meatball sandwiches? A while there back was. I believe were... it was fueled by Joey Tribbiani. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's uh, I think that was the meatball sandwich or the meatball subs heyday was courtesy of him for sure. Nice. Well, uh, you know, my family is Italian. And yep. so uh to make a long story short, my parents dropped off a homemade meatball sandwich. Oh yeah. And uh so I shaved in a little parmesan, I added a little bit of spicy, some hot oil, and uh yeah. Quite oh, a that treat. Sounds delicious. Yeah. That was it, was it? Had you had you had one like was that the first time you'd had one in a while? It's something that happens weekly, actually. <laughs> it's been, I love your it's, dirty confession. That's so great. It's it's a it's a pandemic occurrence. Oh, uh, that's a chance to see each other and have a little connection. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, oh, that's so great. So yeah, I have oh, so been actually really enjoying them. You yeah. know, I think they should make a comeback. Meatball sandwich is a delicious thing. Especially delivered to your house with a smile. That's that's the full package, though. That's amazing. Nice. Um, so, as uh, as everybody knows, this season, we're really focusing on the impact of COVID on our food industry. And I'm very excited because today... Uh, we're talking about grocery stores and markets. We're gonna get we're gonna focus here on how on what happens when the food comes out of the ground before it actually gets to us in stores uh, or or you know in our homes. Uh, so um, this is gonna be a really good one. This is really interesting. Yeah, and I think uh, also probably an episode that a lot of our listeners are gonna be able to relate to. I know yes. certainly you know my relationship with grocery stores has evolved greatly and changed. 
throughout, even throughout the pandemic. Yeah. I think of, you know, the beginning of the pandemic when they were saying only do groceries. Remember that only do groceries oh, yes. once every two weeks. Remember That's that? Right. Mm-hmm. That insanity. Uh, and then, you know, things normalizing a bit and then, okay, now contact isn't a thing. And now maybe aerosols and it's, it's been uh, quite an adventure. Yeah. Um, well, and I think, I think that the grocery stores were probably the first indicate like the first in uh, experience of the madness of pandemic life that people got right yes. it was the empty shelves because people not so connected to what's happening on farms but the grocery store was the first like oh something is up here something yeah, and, is happening and also you know it's changed right where the, all the remember the shelves were empty the, that's right the whole like toilet paper panic all that so, so not only to get in it was dramatic yes right yes the lineups and the the, the masking and then the oh it was a lot it was a lot um so i wanted to start today by touching on this article i found from the early days because it really has been an adventure throughout the pandemic it really has and, quite an evolution right yes uh you know in the early days uh there were a lot of articles about you mm-hmm. know the shift and what it meant and i came across this quote from uh, a good friend uh, dr charlebois that yes. it, that intrigued me it was in 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 a, an article he was interviewed for at the beginning of the pandemic and he's and he says he believes Canadians now have a better understanding about all the elements of the food chain, hmm. including farmers, transportation companies, food processors, distributors, and retailers. And I don't just, I, I, I know I certainly don't. So I guess I was just curious about that. And I did hmm. a little digging around and I did okay. find something that I was not aware of. Again, this is, this was not me, but uh, it's something that uh, certainly in North America and in Europe was a thing. In that initial panic, when things were uh-huh. missing, a lot of people turned to vegetable boxes and went directly to, to farmers mm-hmm. to source their food. Mm-hmm. And um, so there was like a huge, huge uptick and a huge uh, increased interest in, you know, getting food straight from the source. And that has, it has calmed down a little bit, but it's certainly still a lot higher than pre-pandemic. So Definitely. So that was and, very interesting to me. Yeah. And I, I mean, I obviously am so steeped in this that the idea of buying food from a farmer is just a regular way that I get my food. But for folks who are obviously not me and not as in it as I am, it, I had so many conversations with people who were doing exactly this and saying to me, I had no idea I could just buy my food directly from the farmer. It was like, right. it was sort of like a novelty thing. They were like, we, they didn't know that this was possible to just directly buy food from the person who grew it. Uh, and it's, uh, I was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Amazing. Welcome. It's so nice to have you here. Yeah. So it's, so it's just interesting to me. This renewed connection is not something that I had had thought of. Me neither. It's true. Uh, and it's lovely because we never imagine that the, the nice positive things, uh, will stick as well as the, you know what I mean? <laughs> we, it's harder to, you know, we imagine all the hard stuff is going to stay, but to see this connected piece stay is nice. It, it is on the flip side. Also in this same article, uh, Dr. Chalabois was quoted as saying that uh, most grocers are going to be pay- paying hero pay until May 8th, but I don't think the salaries will go back to where they were. It will be very hard to take that away now. Oh, he didn't know. No. That's so sweet. He didn't know because it was like soon after that that they all pulled it back, right? It was. I, I, I don't was, know that anybody, has anyone, I don't know. No, I don't think I don't, anyone's brought it back. I don't think anybody is still earning this pay, right? No. I think 
where they're done, which I mean is really quite shameful and a disaster. Those folks are very much still frontline workers. Uh, this is very much still a frontline experience for all of them, uh, and uh, they should and and grocery stores are not hurting for money right now, right? They are doing right. very well. They're doing very well, uh, and this is it's ridiculous uh, in my like I don't know, and and like uh, decisions made by people who have always been working from home. To the best of my knowledge, they were nowhere close to the front of the line for vaccines. They were not at all. I think advocacy was required for those folks and for rest, like for frontline restaurant workers to also be in, you know, in the right after the healthcare workers lineup. So the other huge thing that has happened for, on the grocery side of things is, of course, the online. Uh, and it is it is uh, surprisingly convenient. Of course. Uh, uh, it really and, and fast. I thought I'd have to do way more like ahead of time ordering and planning, but mm -hmm. their orders will like within 45 minutes of me placing that order. It is at my door and there, and it like the way, the way one company has it set up, there's a little messaging texting relationship with the person who's actually doing the shopping for me. So if oh. the, the brand of phyllo pastry that I chose is not available, that will suggest an option. And I have in my text message can just say yes, no, accept replacement like it's quite that's intense it's very good right it's very good okay i feel like you maybe have addressed my my main question this is my main question with online ordering yeah uh how do you explain how you want your avocados so you you're texting with that because you know like sometimes if you buy like five av avocado well when i buy five avocados mm -hmm. right i want one or two of them to be soft because i'm going to eat them sh you know shortly there and then i need the other ones to be hard so that they yes can is can you add that detail in your you, there's a there's a box yes and then when and then you get a text message saying so and so has started shopping okay. uh so you can back and forth with them uh and and in this particular delivery context they're the ones who are actually delivering this thing to your door okay you can develop, you can develop a relationship with this person uh, yes. which I, I'm really into because then I can honestly give a really nice bit of feedback. It helps them to get a really mm -hmm. good score, you know, from customers. Uh, it's great. Uh, I gotta say it's great. And for somebody like me who does video, like food videos and stuff here where I just need food, like food is like a materials expense for me, right? It's not right. just yes. groceries. Uh, and this is making it very, very easy. So how do you feel about this quote? Uh, the new normal transforms the notion of grocery shopping from one where you can feel, handle, and assess the quality of goods to one where the value is assessed for you. Uh, I think that that's definitely what's happening. Yeah, uh, I would agree, but I would say that not much has been lost because I have very little faith in the the value that people were really connecting to before this moment different you know be, I, be, i'm always getting asked how do you choose the proper pineapple or how do you know when a melon is ready or you know something like that so i don't know that much has been that lost uh because we right uh, but there is uh the possibility to strengthen that is basically just been removed yeah i i don't think uh, out of all the things i don't think that's a giant loss no no. Interesting. Uh, and, and I don't think it's going to be uh, a for everybody thing, right? Because no. they're they're right. I think that this is just a slice of the pie of folks. And I'm okay to let, I guess what I'm saying is I'm okay to let that one slide away. Interesting. So yeah, yeah they, no one knows, right? Clearly yep. a lot of more people are online shopping than uh, for their groceries than there were before the pandemic. Yes. The numbers right now are very, very high. Uh, you know, everyone is 
you know, all estimates are saying that probably it'll it'll die down a little bit to definitely yes. higher levels than than pre-pandemic, but probably not the levels uh, that they're at now. But mm-hmm. here's a little interesting tidbit that I came across. Uh, so baby boomers and older are really chomping at the bit to get back into the grocery store and and the grocery store mm, experience. Okay. As is Gen Z. So the oh, the, the youngsters like, are 25 really? year olds. But the, the the millennials and Gen X less are less so. Are these folks are these a, a generation that has just really grown up with real comfort with the internet and the internet as the source for everything? No, it's not. No, that's not even what you're saying. You're saying they're ready to get back into stores. So what do you think that's about? It's counterintuitive. Well, I know that um, the new generation does, they're characterized by a mistrust of larger companies and just general mistrust Mm. of of things. So I wonder if they, you know, just that more tangible, real experience appeals to them. Also, these, you know, these are up to about 25 year olds right now. So they're they're just starting their grocery store. They're brand new at it, right? It's, but that being said, though, it's, it's fascinating to me that they want to experience it. And then they're not just, you know, like millennials just saying, oh, well, I can just do it online now. That's, that's way easier. That's mm-hmm. very cool. That's, it's very encouraging. I have to say. <laughs> it, I know I'm, cause I still actually do my grocery shopping in person, mm-hmm. but there's a big sign when you go into the store saying, you know, don't touch anything unless you're planning on buying it. So yep. I am, I observe that. So, but I, yeah, I do miss my feeling and sniffing and i may not entirely totally. know what i'm doing but uh it, i don't know it does it does feel well it's part of the more, experience and i remember yeah. at the early days of the pandemic i was watching an interview with a toronto doctor uh just yeah. you know early early thinking and he was talking about and he himself was uh south asian and mm-hmm. he was talking and he was like he like looked out to the camera and he was like let this be a message to all of the senior citizens this is not the time to be palpitating mangoes <laughs> <laughs> right and he uses right. like very doctor very palpitating with the doctor talk and you could see that that was mostly a, a message to his own father oh, right he's funny. like i watch my own father uh put his hands on six different mangoes in the store and i'm like dad this is not the time we cannot continue to do this which is very <laughs> i thought that was really sweet to me, when I look at new shopping habits and new grocery habits, the actual grocery shopping, uh, everyone seems to be doing a lot more efficiently. Everyone's doing, yes. you know, fewer trips uh, yes. a week. On average, these are U.S. statistics. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. Canada, mm-hmm. as usual, doesn't have any statistics. Um a lot of people have changed where they shop. They've changed uh, how they shop uh, and what they buy. And most interestingly, uh, a higher percentage, 42% of the people uh, interviewed, which is higher than pre-pandemic, uh, enjoy, stated that they really enjoy grocery shopping hmm. now that they've made these changes. That is amazing. I love that bit because I think that they're, I, I love to grocery shop myself. I do it more joyfully for anything. I, I shop for groceries with more joy than I shop for anything else. But yeah. I have a strategy and there's a process and a system with how I make my list and how I navigate that store. Uh, and I don't, none, uh, and I see that for me, it's like one tidy swing around, right? I have all the produce in one section of the list. So when I'm in that section, we're yep. done and then oh, we yeah. move along. I do right? the same thing. Yeah. But to see that that is actually the, my, like the minority of us are, are that organized and everybody just has a wild list of things and they're zigzagging 
pinballing themselves all over yeah. the gro- all over the store, which I was like, that is madness. Uh, this is like, forget the pandemic. This is just a habit you needed to learn as a grown person. Yeah. And uh, just, <laughs> yeah, just reading between the lines, it sounds like yeah. grocery shopping was something that people would, you know, squeeze in wherever, you know, they'd That's right. be driving home from wherever and think, oh, I, I need some groceries. They'd pop, see a store pop in. And, you know, now that uh, people are at home, they're probably shopping more regularly in, in the same store, which explains why they have uh, such a large number have changed the store they shop at. That, and right. that, just like you said, what the experience you described, which is how I shop as well, only works if you always go to the same store, right? Yes, yes, exactly. The layout is different in yep. certainly in, in most stores. I think some larger supermarkets try to retain a similar layout. There definitely there is. are various uh, locations, but it's not that same uh intimacy i mean you know like i know what you know what section of the butter you know fridge oh, my completely. butter you know like it's yes. granular uh, oh, it's uh very and that and i want efficient. i want the stuff that's in the international foods aisle not the one that's over by the bakery uh you know yes. whatever the yeast or whatever thing it is that i'm chasing yes definitely definitely and then i think the flip side to that efficiency is you know I, i'm getting things done and i know everything when something is different i'll also notice it and that's one of my favorite things about where my grocery store is they'll mm-hmm. often just bring in a, a new vegetable that i've never seen or new yes. uh and i'll notice it right away because it's new and different and then i pick it up and try to ask the internets how to cook it and uh, that's right there i i believe there's also uh there's also a bit of a runoff result from the meal planning right? There's much more meal planning happening right now because everybody's at home and potentially they're attempting to farm out responsibilities to kids or partners or, you know, other people. Uh, They're just strategy and organization, like just paper lists are way more of a thing as a result, which I think is super uh, smart and appropriate. Like this, these, this, these are the kinds of things that I talk about as the little bits of investment that I think we need to make more of. Right. Just to make it's it's a little bit of work for what I think is is potentially a deeper connection with food yeah. and having it be a more joyful, nourishing experience. Right. I think it's very I'm excited to see this. That's it's really interesting that you say that, because a lot of these articles I was reading, these statistics were, were there was a, a big piece about uh, a larger focus on health. And I wasn't quite able to make the connection, mm-hmm. but you've tied it up really nicely there. Um, that makes sense yep. to me. People are are a lot more concerned with what is going into their bodies and they're they're having that stronger connection just from the grocery experience. Okay, Mirella, so moving on from grocery stores, uh, we're going to talk about farmers markets because they're they're my happy place, but they're also <laughs> they've had their they've had their own experience here. And it's been very, very fascinating to watch. So back in season two, episode eight, we talked about um, pandemic uh, obsessions and we talked about the fact that farmers markets had been closed. Yes. Uh, but it's there are there's layers of bureaucracy and technicality that have made it a very different experience than the grocery stores, um, because per, like originally it was just about any place where people gathered, shut it down. No, you know, no thanks. Uh, but what emerged after we sort of made decisions about essential services and grocery stores and that sort of thing was because farmers markets don't actually have any any uh, secure designation as a food source. 
they right they currently exist in the municipal sense under seasonal SOPs, which are special occasion or special event permits. Yes. Um, and so what actually happened was that the city just canceled all the permits. And so all of all sort of like park or public space activity had to shut down because of the gathering. But that and really generated a food security issue for people because a farmer's market is not, in my opinion, uh, just something relegated to a weekend leisurely activity. Right. For many people, it is like straight up. This is how I get my food. Um, and and for obviously for farmers, it's access to market. Uh, and so it is it is a different piece because. It's because we haven't prioritized the presence of farmers markets that in an, in a crisis and in an emergency, they, they therefore had no security or anything to stand on. So uh, I've been you know heavily involved in advocacy around all of that. But really, uh, I have been fascinated to observe this and observe our sort of new understanding of the role that a farmers market plays for their community. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, you know, in, in- thinking about this segment and preparing for this segment, I really realized that, you know, farmer's markets, I don't know if it's that just the way I see them or I would hazard, maybe they have a bit of an, an image problem there in certain yes. terms of there being a disjoint there, because I really, yeah. you know, I am a person who will bend over backwards and greatly inconvenience myself to support anything that's local any, you know, anything that's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I'm not shy about, you know, doing things the difficult way if I know that it's supporting something great. And farmers markets have all, I've always found them off-putting. And yeah. they I, just I, I, seem to me, before. yes, they just seem to me like a place where it, it's like brunch. It's a thing that, you know, like wealthier people do as a leisurely activity and they're going to, to hang out with their, you know, the, Certainly the farmer's market near me, everyone has, uh, you know, a, a cafe latte or cappuccino in their hand and they're chit-chatting and there's like music going on and right. uh, it just doesn't, I just got completely the wrong impression about what, because at you the, do. you know, because at, you the, 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 at the source, and, the co- they're, yeah. they're, and I do occasionally go to farmer's markets and I realized again, just thinking about, you know, in preparation for this segment, when I go to farmer's markets, I only get, like, I don't go for, for groceries. I'll go because there's, you know, that, that delicious, you know, croissant that I know right, I can find there or, something, or right. uh, yeah, or the one near me has uh, momos, which I, mm-hmm. I know not, exactly who you're talking uh, about for sure. Memos. Yeah. Uh, and best. I haven't seen any uh, in Toronto. So that's, you know, a destination for me, but I certainly, while I'm there, I never cursed me to look at the produce and the fact that someone like me has as big a disjoint, uh, it indicates to me really that, you know, that it's not being communicated well, what, what they are. That's uh, that it's so, f- I feel like we need to just go together. Uh, because they're like, it is my, it is like a bliss spot for me. I, I love the market. I love the vendors. Uh, I, I like the people there because I, I see people who have chosen, you know what I mean? A different avenue for their food source. Um, and it's, uh, we gotta, we gotta reconnect this for you because you are somebody who loves good food and, and community connections, man. Yeah. And on paper, I mean, it's, it's wonderful. I mean, it's supporting so many great things. It's, you know, direct link to the farmer. It's a shorter carbon footprint. Um, There's a great opportunity for me to not get any packaging. If I want to, I'm sure I can leave a little box there for them to reuse or whatnot. So it just, 
I don't know. I, I just wondered if that played that sort of disjoint played a little bit in what you're talking about, about, you know, the markets really struggling to get their permit. Is maybe yeah, it's uh, understanding. I, I think that there that. is, I, I don't think that the market have place access has, um, like, I think, I think you're right. I think there's something there with the perception of the role of, of what the market's about yeah. uh, and what's happening there. Um, and I think that the, that, and we're seeing a lot of these issues come up around whether people feel welcome or a part of that community and what the barriers might be, right. Mm-hmm. What the walls are, whether intentional or not, right. What is, what is, what is it about the way farmers markets run that perhaps really do don't uh, make everybody feel welcome. Uh, uh, you know, on the basis of so many things, gender, race, ability, uh, demographic, whatever it is. Um, but let's say this, when we shift our thinking a little bit towards the idea of uh, rebuilding our food system or strengthening our food system, I cannot say enough about what, a, what an integral tool farmers markets will be in that effort. Right as we rethink things, which is what we're hopefully in the middle of right now, um, they are incredible vehicles for change. Uh, right, because the the grassroots connections that you can make to really opt out of a lot of the more corporate focused, big box kind of food sourcing are incredible. Right? It's so me. This is so confusing. Uh, it's so you. But we're <laughs> going to figure this one out because you, if you, as thoughtful and willing to do the work, you know, as you are, feel like there's a barrier. That's somebody for me who is like in the development of actually you know, putting markets together, uh, we, I, I, we need to work through this and figure this out. I love it. Let's, uh, this may be our little project for the season here. Yeah. Cause digging around, I, I came to the realization that we in Canada really missed an opportunity here by closing those farmers markets. We did. We uh, did. Earlier in the episode, I mentioned how, when food became scarce in the grocery store, a lot of people reached out to try to find, you know, vegetable yes. boxes or direct from producers and, at that time in the US, farmers markets in many places were open and people flocked to them, right? Yes. yes. Uh, and that allowed both for those people to find food and it allowed the farmers, right, to to move their um, harvest, to yeah. move more of their harvest. So, yep. um, you know, that's definitely an opportunity that was lost. But I'm, I'm curious to hear more, though, about what you mean when you say that the markets are a place where we can really create more change. One of the vulnerabilities that was uncovered by the pandemic was the fact that we have very few uh, distribution lines on a national grocery store level in this country, Mm -hmm. right? There's like maybe three, it's like three to five tops main lines of distribution across the country for groceries. And this is, we're talking to big national recognizable grocery stores, right? That network is very tight is the point. And so when one thing changes, when people habits change or consumption rates change, everything kind of topples, uh, right? Because it's very few lines. And when they drop, that is why there were just grand spaces and absences and, and nothing more to do than just to wait till the next time the truck comes back. Whereas uh, the um, 
the the flexibility of people on the ground because we saw farmers pretty quickly put together an online market and quite literally send out emails to people saying I will be in the this church parking lot uh, from Saturday morning to you know and your box will be uh, you know sealed with your name on it on a table so we don't have to have too much contact but they figured it out and all right. of the money you know what I mean and more of the money that a person spent on their food went directly to the person who actually grew it, which was just a more sustainable way to operate the business, right? Not having as much in the middle. Um, and so more of those connections, strengthening those connections is, in my opinion, the only way that we are going to build any real resilience uh, mm -hmm. in, in toward, you know, thinking about when this might happen again, and, you know, in whatever way that will be, is uh, I know what I know for sure. And what a lot of other people I think smarter than me uh, are really pointing to is that regional food systems have got to, are, are the way that a sustainable food system works, right? It's a regional food system is what a sustainable food system is actually based on. So um, far, I've, I have always believed that farmers markets are the revolution in action, uh, because it is a very tidy way for you to skip all of that other nonsense and just make real connections with real people in your community. That makes sense to me. And, uh, you know, it might be a revolution in action, but clearly there were some some weaknesses there in terms of yes. the fact that it took so long for for, uh, for the markets to be recognized. So I'm going to go ahead and guess that the COVID has probably had a big impact on the markets in the sense that they must be sort of rethinking uh, at the very least, you know, how they function in terms of the SOPs yes. or. I definitely think there's a bit of a fresh understanding. Uh, mm -hmm. It is now actually more, uh, you know, an integral part of what a community needs. Uh, and so that to me, it's really, really exciting. And even just the, the internal structure of a market, largely farmers market managers are very minimally paid, if not, if at all, right. It's almost always a volunteer position because oh. it is this, right. It's, it, they're, it's very insecure circumstances uh, for these folks. And this is why a bit more investment, a bit more formality, a bit more, you know, security is, is going to give them, you know, something more solid to stand on. All right, Mirella, what have we learned? I think the thing that struck us most in this episode really is how much our behavior and habits can shape our food sources. Mm, yep. And that, you know, where we choose to do our groceries and how we choose to do our groceries and when it really does have an impact. And when we focus right. on our needs, they will be met. Grocery stores, they're just going to be forced to play along because we, we really do have that power. Uh, all of it leads to people paying more attention and investing more of their time and energy in their food, which is a good news story for me. So, dear listeners, we want good news stories for you as well. So we have some calls to action and marching orders for things that you can do uh, to make deeper connections with how you get your food and where you get your food from. So what we'd, what we'd love you to do even is just to consider your life in the past 15, 16 months and think about one positive change that you've made to your grocery shopping uh, and just choose one of the things that you're going to keep beyond the pandemic, right? Hopefully one, something has changed that has been a positive impact uh, that will last uh, beyond uh, when COVID is behind us. Uh, Mirella, have you got a thing? Have you got a thought about something that might stick with you? Yeah, yeah, I do. 
And it's something that started in the early pandemic when we had to grocery shop just once every two weeks. Right. Which was, uh, you know, as someone who lives in, you know, walking distance of three grocery stores, mm-hmm. I was very used to, you know, when I did groceries, I would just get what I thought I needed because I knew that, I, you know, if I didn't get everything, I could just run out and, and grab right. what was missing. Right. So what we started doing is we put up a chalkboard in the kitchen and the minute something Aww. runs out we put it up which is probably the you know a much smarter way to do things well, at the end of the properly, day yeah yeah properly functioning kitchen there that's wonderful if you are enjoying our podcast please support us at patreon.com slash hot plate pod hot plate is part of the frequency podcast network please consider leaving us a rating or review it helps others find us you can follow us on Instagram at Hot Plate Pod. Follow me at Beerology on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And follow Joshna at Joshna Maharaj on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Hot Plate is produced by Mirella Amato, that's me, and Dennis Coyne. Original music by her brother. Thanks for listening. <laughs>